This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is recorded on Noongar land. We'd like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land and extend that respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander and their elders who are listening today. We respect their spiritual relationship with their country. Have you ever wondered exactly what it is that that married man found so appealing about paying for it? Or watched the murder doco and thought, how can that monster's mother still love him? Welcome to To Be Frank, the show that invites you to step inside the world of Constance Hall as she explores the most interesting topics and people from all over the world with no BS, no filter. Now your host, Constance Hall, and co-host, Claudia McLeod. Hello and welcome to To Be Frank with me and Claude. Hey. Hey, I like your glasses. Are they new? Thanks. Yeah, they're just, you know what, 25 bucks at the chemist. I started what? taking your advice. Yeah. Yeah, they're cool, aren't they? No, I've been going to Oscar Wiley. But, yeah, cheap glasses. Didn't you tell me to get cheap glasses? Yeah, from Oscar Wiley. It's like three pairs for 200 bucks. Oh, well, they should sponsor us. <laughs> Which chemists? They're amazing. It's even better. Yeah, South Frio. South Frio, like little pharmacy near Woolies. I just keep sitting on them or losing them or breaking them. Well, that's the problem with buying cheap glasses. You don't treat them the way that you would treat expensive ones. My reading thing is like one of my eyes is number two. One of them is like one and a half. So these were just number two. Like they're not exactly my prescription, but you know what I mean? It definitely helps. Wow. Anyway. Yeah, they look and great. It looks, and it suits the look. Yeah, it's very retro. Mm. So big week, big week. Just got back from my pappy, <laughs> <laughs> my lap smear. It's like a lap dance, but a pap smear. Okay, so here's the deal. I don't know when I was due because you remember when all of our medical history in like 2017 or something, the government was like joining your medical history amongst all the doctors and you could opt out. So it was like midnight, I'm in bed and my brother's texting me and he's going, hey, Con, it's the last day that you can opt out of this and I don't think it's good that the government gets to keep all of our medical records, so here's the link. And I didn't even think about it. I just went, yeah, good call. Like, I don't want everyone to know all my records. So I just hit the link. And now, like, my doctor's like, well, I don't know when your last pap smear was because you haven't lived here. Yeah. So, and I said to her, well, I had it after I had Raja, so I'm sure I'm due. It might have been four years ago, but, you know, I don't know if I trust this whole once every five years, like it used to be once no. a year. Then it became once every two years and now it's once every five years. I agree because I've had those, um, you know, pre-cancerous cells ages ago. It would have been before I had Alba, so that's like 14 years ago, and I'm just not comfortable with leaving it more than a year. No, no. So then when you had your next pap smear, did you have no pre-cancerous cells? Yeah, it's cells? been fine ever since. But, yeah, it just seems to be getting longer and longer, that window. Yeah, I don't yeah. Look, I'm not a scientist. I don't understand the science behind it, but I'm just not being a cancer-phobe. You know? Yeah. That's exactly what I said to my doctor. Uh, I was like, well, yeah, I want to stay on top of it. And I've lost a friend to cervical cancer, but it was cervical cut sarcoma, which is super rare. Oh. Like, yeah, and I don't think it came up on her pap smears. And also my other girlfriend who has been diagnosed with stage four cancer, she, cervical cancer, she, her pap smears were normal. So I don't oh, know how much. that freaks me out even more. 
I know I don't know how much I trust them, but I'm still going to do it because I'm told to do it. One thing that helped. So for the listeners at home, <laughs> my pap smears have been getting harder and harder every year. Now I have had twins. I've had, what is it? I've got five biological kids, but six pregnancies because of the twins. Every year it's harder for the doctors to find my cervix <laughs> and to scrape it. And like I made my husband come in with me today because Where I Where is like, that cervix going? I don't know, but I consider anything to do with your vagina is your partner's problem too. Do you know what I mean? Like I shouldn't have to do this alone. And so he came in with me because I was like, I've had so many bad experiences with, (laughs) they have to get another doctor. They have to like put the whole arm up there looking for it. I mean, they got out this old metal, like old school one once and there was blood on the like tissue afterwards. They give you to wipe yourself. So it's just not a great experience. So what I did, and I have a brilliant doctor in Perth, like I used to go to her when I lived in Perth, and when I saw that she was still working there, a good GP is worth their weight in gold. Mm -hmm. And she's just super natural, but she's super clever and thorough. And you know those doctors that kind of look like they enjoy getting to the bottom of problems? Like it's never a pain in the ass to her. So anyway, I've taken my daughter to her because I really want my daughter to start feeling that doctor-patient relationship. Finding a good GP is hard, and when you do, stay there. Stay there. That's yeah. exactly and right. And then the good and ones re- get really booked out as well. That's right. And and they're worth the wait and they're worth the money because you don't get the bulk bill all the time, you know, but I'm like, it's just worth it. Unless, of course, I didn't have any money, then I'd probably have a different opinion. But so I went there today and I said to her, I was like, Rebecca, my cervix is really hard to find. <laughs> and <laughs> That's and why Denim's said, here. <laughs> what do you mean? And I'm like, it's just the doctors really struggle to find it. She goes, oh, that's fine. You might just have one that's a cervix that's sort of tilted or something. It's a good thing yeah. at least it's not prolapsing and I was like great and, but most importantly she said that I'm really glad you told me because now I'll use the longer thing otherwise we would be fucking around trying to get you know find it so she used the longer thing and she said oh simple it was right there she goes you're right it is it's actually just a very far away cervix from so I've got a long vagina yeah it's very far away yeah I've heard of someone that's got like panels a, yeah yeah and a bend and then people have got different shaped uteruses and it's yeah, no, two of the same. I think my cervix is slowly trying to get further and further away <laughs> from all the semen that I that I drown it in. <laughs> yeah, and it's like we've had enough babies up here. Yeah, that we're just going to pull right back. My body's self protection from more pregnancies. I wonder if it so does change though with how many pregnancies you have. Yeah, I wonder. Because it's, it's been harder for me. It seems to be a problem. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. All I'm saying is that my cervix hates people. <laughs> and it makes sense. I'm there for it. So you had your pap smear today. One of those days, get, get on top of all the, you know, admin, personal admin. Well, that's what I'm doing since <laughs> I got back from Bali. Yesterday, I sat down and had a drip in my arm. Mm. I had the ultimate magnesium, like, fucking refreshing hydra empowering woman drip and um and? it actually well that kind of made me feel like shit like I thought it was gonna get me high I was like yes it's gonna be amazing yeah, yeah. my girlfriend explained it to me she's like you feel a bit high afterwards I was like oh my god I'm here for this and I felt like really hot and uncomfortably hot actually reminded me of when I take mushies really yeah I'm not Someone that loves, okay, so mushies are a funny one. You've got your microdose and then you've got your macrodose. Some people like to microdose every day and it makes them feel like better. And other people like to macrodose once every few weeks. And then that's, you know, sort of like tripping, I guess. But then they have the residual dopamine and all the rest of it. Whereas 
I have never really got my dose right. I've macrodosed, you know, at parties and whatever, but I've had amounts that just make me really hot. And then I see the long lasting effects and I feel happier and better the next days, the next few days and stuff. But I don't like that feeling when I first yeah, take right. it. Yeah. yeah. And so I guess I probably need to either take less to make it a proper microdose or more to make it a proper macrodose. I think it's it's often the case with microdosing from what I've heard because I know a few people that have been doing it properly. It is hard to get the right dose and it's hard to know if you're also taking the same thing all the time. Absolutely. And to know if it's actually working because you can't feel it. Yep. So it's like, so when I've bought them before, I've wanted to macrodose them to make sure they have the psilocybin. Psilocybin. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Psilocybin. Otherwise, I'm going to be taking a supplement every day yeah. that potentially is doing nothing for me. And so that's where I've gotten into that position of I don't even really like that. And I've, I always, denim's my guinea pig, so I'm like, you have them first. <laughs> and we went to a music festival and I was like, here, you have some mushies. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And literally, like I know denim doesn't talk much at the best of times, but he was like a mute at this festival, like just walking around completely muted. And I'm like, are they good? And he was like, yeah, you should have some. I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's, I have never taken a trip. I have never taken DMT, which I actually really would like to do in the right environment. But I am scared. What's DMT? Denim reckons it comes off a bark of a tree, but it's very strong. And if you're interested in like. Is it like a psychedelic? Quantum physics and leaving your body. And yeah, it is the ultimate connected to the universe, to the universal wisdom. Everybody says really similar things. It's kind of where all those geometric hippie sort of patterns come from because so from Denim's experience, you smoke it and then you're out for like 15 minutes. And he said, you will never be the same again. You understand that you are just an energy and that you are actually a part of everything. You know, like I've had experiences where you leave your ego and disassociative, but this sounds like it's a pretty hardcore. Wow. It's not a drug that people want to do again because you sort of get what you get out of it. I kind of like that. Like Denim has the most addictive personality on the planet and he would want to do everything again and again. But with that, he's like, and then you know, mm. and then once you know, you know, and you're okay. I know. I just think it sounds super cool, but super scary. I was at a festival with Denim and all his friends. We were camping there and everyone was tripping and everyone was just having the best time. But I was like terrified and I was like going up to his guru. You know how there's always a guru? And I was like, <laughs> oh, what do you think? Do you reckon I should trip? I've never had I'm like 35 at the time. 35, I've never tripped. Should I trip? And he was like, I go, because it looks like it's good acid. Like everyone's having fun. And he was like, it's not about whether it's good acid, Con. It's about like you. And if you're going to be paranoid and flipping out. Yeah, and if you're asking then- going to have it don't do it yeah and so I didn't so I, I still have never done that yeah I am really interested in the spiritual side of those sort of yeah. drugs I really think it's yeah yeah right Claude's, oh my yes. god speaking of mushrooms mm. for those of you that aren't in Australia there's been a mushy incident where you have to be living under a rock if you haven't heard about this, but a Queensland lady has accidentally, allegedly accidentally killed her in-laws. Is it her in-laws, Claude? I'm really bad with research. Yeah, it's her in-laws. So she apparently had a dinner party and made a, like a beef bourguignon or something like that and the two elderly in-laws have passed away from, from this. But did the husband eat the mushrooms? 
I don't know. I haven't delved far enough into the case, but the part that I thought was, see, I look at, I'm a true crime fanatic. Everyone knows this. And I look at everything critically. And I was reading the article out to my husband. Okay. So the woman's had a lunch. She's invited the in-laws. Her husband was there. I think he was critically ill. Someone was critically ill and two people have passed away afterwards. Okay. So the woman is just devastated, obviously. And so the question is like, where did these mushrooms come from, first of all? And secondly, why didn't you get sick? So she reckons that the next day after having the family over for lunch, she had her leftovers. The kids did. This is all fair. Did the kids get sick? Well, she scraped the mushrooms off for the kids. Which you would do. Which you would do because what kid eats mushrooms? What kid eats mushrooms? And maybe she did eat them and her husband and just they didn't get as sick because they weren't as old. Like maybe the old couple just didn't have as much. Like, I don't know. Well, I've been delving into the death caps. My stepdad calls them death caps. He reckons that he came across some once in Broome and someone was selling them illegally and he ate one and he was super sick and foaming at the mouth. Really? Yeah. One thing about mushies that I know is that you have to be very careful because the gold tops, which are the ones that, you know, people often want, they look very similar to death caps. That's always scared me. That's always made me go, where my house is, is near Bailing Up, which is one of the places in Western Australia to go and Mm. get mushrooms. So I've said to my husband a million times, let's go and get mushrooms just because it'll be fun. No, Con, no. Well, I thought it'd be fun. Like, it's nature. You don't know what you're picking. This is the thing. And then Denim goes to me, Con, you do realise it's illegal. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Don't drain me with legalities. And he was like, no. Like, I mean, there are cops that man the forests and so, like, they're there to get you in trouble if you go and pick mushrooms. And I'm like, I don't know, doesn't sit well with me because I totally understand, like, weed is natural and if you grow a plantation, then you're going to get done by the cops. But if you just found, like, we don't grow weed naturally in Australia, I don't think anyway. So surely if you just found a weed plant and you wanted to pick it, I mean, yeah, you can't pick wildflowers. I guess that like there are some things that you don't own just because it's nature. But I do feel a little bit like, oh, hang on, it's they're growing out of our trees. Like, why can't we just pick them? <laughs> no, no, but you just wouldn't, right? You wouldn't pick a mushroom and just cook it and eat it. I, I mean, I wouldn't. Surely. Well, I know a lot of people that do, Claude. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't cook them. That's what I mean. To put it in the cooking is odd, yeah. Obviously, when there's been a death cap case, I've read statistically 100 people a year die from mushrooms, but that's globally. That's not just in Australia, from mushroom poisoning. You always go, well, where did she get them? Do you know what I mean? Like if you find a fucking recipe book in her house with like how to pick death caps, what they look like, then obviously she's guilty. But she's saying that she bought two types of mushrooms. One were like little button ones. This is what oh, I'm she bought them somewhere. Yeah. She didn't pick them. She bought like a can of mushrooms from like IGA, but she also reckons that when she was in Victoria, so maybe the case is Victorian, I'm not sure, but she went to like a little grocer and they sold her some mushrooms and that's what she used. 
I find that really bizarre. Like you kept them and then did you dehydrate them? Like what's so she special did. about she, these mushrooms? She dehydrated them and then she threw the dehydrator out, which I find that to me is the part that just I think, well. Okay, so the only thing that I'm thinking, like if she just wants to come clean, she can call me and tell me if she wants to get off her chest. <laughs> if she was trying to get high and she accidentally killed everyone, I understand. Like that's something I can understand. But if you were going to get high off them, you wouldn't cook them in a beef dish. People put them on pizza. People put them in milkshakes. People do different things. I'm just not quite buying. I just wanted that mushroom in my pie. Yep. Because so you can put the, any mushroom in your pie. And has the shop been investigated? Did they have other ones there? Well, that's what I want to know. But the lead detective isn't calling me back. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a really interesting case. i tell you what is also fascinating. And I feel for her, Claudia. I feel for her so much when I see pictures of her. I always think, you know, when someone's grieving and they they were going through this horrible thing, but they're also dealing with the world hating on them or suspecting. I don't know. It just breaks my heart a bit because I think, what if she is innocent? Charges haven't been placed. Yeah. So they've obviously not got enough. And what's the husband's take on it? I'd love to hear his take on it. Yeah, he's not calling me back either. <laughs> <laughs> They've got your number blocked, babe. That Constance whole, Hall here. <laughs> that whole Victorian country town's like, no, no, no. The other case that is all over the headlines, obviously, but we were on to a long time ago, is the Lucy Letby trial. Now, a lot of our listeners are English, so this is fascinating because I found not that many Australians have understood what, what I was talking about when I'm like, oh, yep. my God, Lucy Letby. Yeah. People are like, Lucy who? Yeah. Whereas... My English queens, they're messaging me and going, Con, I live in the same area as this. Oh. And fascinating, a few people have said to me, I think she's innocent. Okay, so guys, if you're not following, Lucy Letby is a nurse. She is a neonates nurse. Was. And was, sorry. And loads and loads of infants were dying in her care. And so, you know, there's been this big investigation, this big inquiry. She's just been trialed. The trial went on forever. She was there every single time she was there when a baby. She alleged, well, she's been charged now, and they're saying that she did kill these poor little tiny babies. I had premature babies. They're so little. So vulnerable. So vulnerable. And she killed some of them by insulin poisoning. Others just by bubbles of air in their feeding tube was enough to kill them. I remember when Billy they're, Violet they're so was tiny, prem, it wouldn't take much. Yeah. When Billy Violet was prem, both of her lungs collapsed and she went, got sent to Princess Margaret Hospital and they and she was really grumpy for a couple of days and they wouldn't let me feed her. They like I had the colostrum and, and everything ready, but they said, when you're this little I mean she wasn't that little she was three kilos but her lungs had collapsed her lungs were premature so they said the problem is that even a little teaspoon of of milk in her stomach will put too much pressure on her lungs so we have to make her hungry and you know she just unfortunately she has to just be grumpy which is so hard as a mum especially a first-time mum and you're just like but she needs a full belly but you know you listen to the doctors and you listen to the nurses and the nurses while Lucy Letby might be giving, you know, some nurses a bad rap, the nurses that worked on neonates were the most incredible people that I had ever come across. Oh, I had they're one, amazing. But I know. And one this, woman this was like. This is what makes this case so messed up is that yeah. you would trust someone like that. And she looked of like. Course. She looked like someone you would trust. And of course. that is what makes it so, so messed up. What really has disturbed me is that 
and I didn't realize this, but it's a U- it's a UK law that they don't have to sit there and listen to the witness statements. They can choose not to be in the court for that and for their when they get their sentence read out. They can right. choose to not be right. there. And right. she chose to not be there and that angered a lot of people and so now it's been like overturned and they're putting that in, into place. That what? You have to sit there now. Yep, because she chose not to be there. I understand what's the point of the law if you can't exercise it. Now they're putting it in place in the UK that you have to sit there and listen in your trial. So you put yourself in these parents' positions. So, okay, guys, just to give you a bit more background, there was... It's a lot of circumstantial evidence in this case, but there was a little bit of pretty damning evidence in this post-it note, or was it just a note in a diary? There was a note that she'd written that said, I did it. In her diaries. Yeah, I did it. I killed them because I'll never be good enough, something like that. Yeah. And her her defence lawyer was trying to argue that that was more of a survivor's guilt, guilty conscience, like, you know, type comment. It wasn't But they were pretty angry-looking drawings when you saw them. I was like, whoa. It is so messed up on so many levels. And, you know, the fact that she had so much contact with the families after she had killed the babies, it's not like, you know, serial killers usually have that. She even gave one of the families like something that one of the babies was buried in. It is so messed up. And then she like searched, she searched their families as well. Like on Facebook, she just kept looking them up. It was, yeah, and so, okay, the reason that this case never sat well with me, none of these do, but, like, was because not only, like, you know, you're a nurse, you're supposed to be the person whose arms we fall into when we feel like we're dying and then you save us and let's go on our (laughs) merry way. (laughs) But I couldn't figure out a motive. I was very perplexed by what would the motive be, right? With women, the motives are always fascinating, but... Then more that I delved into this case, well, the way that the prosecution angled this case, she came to me across as one of those really, really, really ambitious, job-obsessed, having-to-be-right kind of women, having to be the one that knows everything, right? She was constantly saying she's overqualified for this job. No one's as qualified as her, Mm. all this sort of stuff. And I've never been a nurse, but I have been a hairdresser. And (laughs) I remember being in certain salons with certain people who were so obsessed with always being right that in the end I'd end up just going, oh, just ask her because it'll make everyone happier if you just ask her and she will feel like she's the know-it-all of the salon and do you know what I mean? Everyone around them tends to kind of just play their game because they know that these people are egotistic and they need to be right. And I thought maybe Lucy, it, it was apparent that she had some kind of a relationship with one of the doctors, which again is weird. I thought maybe she wanted to get these babies onto the brink so that she could then come in and be this hero because murdering babies is... I don't know. Murdering the babies is more sadistic. She didn't look that sadistic. She looked like a very lost, very anxious, kind of really wanting to prove her place in the world kind of girl. No, so I felt like was, maybe that's what she, you reckon she's sadistic? Of course. Uh, okay. I, I mean, look, I think she's messed up. But I think she, she, looks, she looks She looks innocent. She doesn't look like a psychopath, but she is. Like she's brutally yeah. murdered these well, babies. It's, it's Of horrific. course, of course it is. It's completely horrific. I'm just trying to figure out why. Well, why someone <laughs> would, in, would bring on so much. You know, there were parents that couldn't have babies that had just had a baby and it was there. Every, it's just, yeah, very fucking weird. Why does any serial killer do what they've done? Most female serial killers that you hear of, not all, but most, do it alongside a male as well. A lot of the time, like they're involved with someone. This is next level. She went rogue on her own. 
And it doesn't sort of seem like she's had like a really, you know, trauma-fueled upbringing. But anyway, we shall see what comes out. There's going to be a doco or movie made about it, I'm sure, Mm, somewhere down the track. Yeah, it's awful. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Moving on to lighter things, Claudia. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this has been bothering me so much and I've been meaning to talk about it on the podcast. And the reason I haven't talked about it is because I feel like no one cares and I don't want to talk about something that no one cares. It's obviously not the idea of a podcast, guys. But two weeks ago, just before I went to Bali, the world found out once again that UFOs are real and no (laughs) one gives a fuck. (laughs) Okay. Okay. No, I didn't I, even know about this. My family's accusing me of being like a tin fucking hat foil person. But honestly, there's been, okay, so a whistleblower who's been working in the like intelligence and in the military has come out and once again said the US military is holding, is hiding so much from us. They okay. have UFOs, they have alien bodies. Obviously, they're calling it non-human biological matter. Hang on, but, who's, then, who's come out and said this? A whistleblower that was that worked in intelligence, mm-hmm. okay? So we, they held a big Congress meeting, a meeting in Congress, whatever the fuck that means, but with all the politicians and they were allowed to ask all these questions and this whistleblower was, you know, say, giving all these answers and there were a couple of whistleblowers, not just the one. It all makes sense with all the things that have happened in the past with the whistleblowers. We've had America admit that there were unidentified flying objects and they've got them on camera. They don't know what they are or what, you know, they called it the Tic Tac and all this kind of stuff has come out a few years ago. But, like, what pisses me off is we know that the military is holding this information and I am one of those people that just wants to know what is out there. Like, I am desperate to know. It's not the military's job to withhold information from the people that it's there to protect. No, it's not. That is not why the taxpayers pay for the fucking military. You know, it is to protect the country and I don't see how withholding, you know, UFO information is protecting the country at all. So I went on to do some research and some, like, very highly regarded um, scientists and even podcasters have recommended this documentary that I made my husband watch. I go to sleep to UFO docos. Okay, guys, that's what I'm doing at the moment. It's a break from the true crime. It is. I'm sick of watching, listening to people slaughter people. It's just I'm done with it. <laughs> so there's a documentary called Moment of Contact, right? Oh, okay. So this documentary is about a um, place called Virginia in Brazil, and in the 90s they had a UFO land in one of the towns, right, in this town, Virginia. And what happened is this is all documented, everything, like the hospitals, the doctors, everything is documented. There are all these witnesses. You need to watch it. The UFO landed. It crashed. Three little girls going for a walk see a little alien. (laughs) I'm not kidding. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It's true. Don't laugh. I'm not laughing, but you know me and I can't do sci-fi. It's not sci-fi. It's a documentary. This is not science fiction. The documentary maker's name is James Fox. He's a very highly regarded. He came into it with a critical eye and he has just gone like, 
Okay, he interviewed the girls who said they saw the alien. A member of the military who was called to attend the crash scene and to locate these two aliens, one of them, this mem- this military guy, he caught the alien, right? It was little, the sound of the size of a child. The other alien got caught by fireys and the fireys well, What said was it like? It's alien. Okay, so it's little, it's black, it has red eyes, but it was scared, not scary. The girls said the same thing, smelt very strong of ammonia, mixture of ammonia and um, sulfates, okay? That's- he took it to the hospital. And then at the hospital, the military came and took it. We have this doctor's got interviews with the people in the military that took no. it. The hospital is giving interviews and, like, the these fucking surgeons and stuff gave interviews. This man ended up dying two days later of an infection and his body was present for chemicals that we that they couldn't explain. It was, like, unknown and it got through to his brain because the alien was oily to touch. And so these oils... You've got to watch it. Honestly, I'm not kidding you at all. And then they have other interviews with, like, the me- member of military who had to um, – it was just brought in in a body bag and what, he what, had to – What is it on? Is it on X-ray? Netflix? Well, you've got to download this app called Tubi, T-U-B-I, but it doesn't cost anything. Oh, we've got that and, on our TV. Yeah, but you've got to watch the ads. So please watch it and then please – do you know what? Your husband will be with me because he likes oh, a bit of space. He's yeah. all, but see, even when you just started telling me the story, my brain just sort of checked out because I just, when it comes to aliens. See, and, that's what everyone's doing. That's why I haven't brought it up. Well, no, because there no are. one cares. There's no, there's people like you out there that are really into it. So this is good. You're getting it out there. Why don't you there. care? Why don't you care? They're the two biggest questions is A, what else is out there? And B, what happens when we die? They are the world's biggest questions. And why doesn't anyone care? I do. That it's we, not that I don't care. I don't have like a fascination. I do think there's other stuff out there but like what are you gonna do well and when i'm dead (laughs) (laughs) i will because my husband's gonna make me watch it tonight but um (laughs) when i'm gone i'm gone well that's what annoys me is i think that obviously we know there are aliens and Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff definitely definitely but what bothers me is that i might die without ever actually really finding out (laughs) but also this is fucked up so it's oily. This is this part yeah. interests me, and it stinks, and it's dangerous. But it's scary. And, the, and the, when the fire, it bothered me when the fiery said it was a little creature. We caught it, and it cried like a child when we caught it. Oh, <gasps> I know that part really bothered me. Oh, so it's got feelings like, and yeah, but I don't know. I might because I watch documentaries quite late at night, and so I sort of zone out a bit. I might have missed it, but I don't think they actually say on the documentary how either of the aliens died. They talk about their dead bodies and they talk about them being alive, but they don't talk about how they died. Okay, so you're giving that they die, the aliens die. Well, yeah, they were both dead. Like the the whole the documentary isn't about like it's not a story, so it's not like giving it away. But you yeah, hear yeah. you're only hearing other people's recount like accounts. Do you know what I mean? And part of me thinks like only in America, like you only hear about this shit happening in America, right? Well, it was Brazil, but <laughs> it was America? Brazil, South America. No, but the Americans came and they're the ones that took it all. Exactly. Yes, because they want to own all. Because they're trying to reverse engineer the technology. It's very complicated, Claude. If you were, if you were a fucking engineer like me, you'd get it. But (laughs) 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 I love it. Anyway, so then after I watched the documentary, of course, I was um, 
I was coerced into having sex with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Is that because you made him watch the doco? He was like, my turn. Yeah, I was like, if you watch this doco, I will root you. But then after (laughs) I rooted him, (laughs) just to clear the record, I wasn't coerced. I like rooting Dan's. But after I rooted him, I was lying there in bed and I was thinking, me and Claude share too much, right? So like all of... (laughs) All of my thoughts that come into my head, I'm like, I need to share this with Claude, but now I'm like, no, I need to share this with the podcast. I was lying there afterwards and, you know, after if you're having sex with it, like where there is no withdrawing process Mm -hmm. and, you know, when like he's come and you're both sort of just lying there and you're sort of maybe talking or laughing, but there's like an awkward moment about when the, okay, Earmuffs, <laughs> earmuffs. Any kids are around? Turn it down and press pause. Especially, especially our children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Billy, stop listening. Because I asked Billy what how my podcast was, and she goes, "Bit rank." <laughs> <laughs> so that is the best. Stop, that stop is the best answer. Well, that's really funny because half of mine haven't listened to it, and I think it's because people have said that like they hear about our sex life, and they're like, "Oh." They just yeah. don't want to hear it now. Anyway. No. Um, so, yeah, you know when you're lying there and, like, the dick starts to unerect. Yeah. And there's always some, I don't know, is there like, a who weird moves, moment? Who moves first? Who moves, who gets rid of it? Who gets it out Who's going to make this move? Yeah. Yeah. I know Denz wants to pull it out, but I feel like he's trying to be respectful by leaving it in there as it's oh. going soft and, and becoming this weird flaccid thing that's just. But why? Why? Why is it? Because me? it's not like we want it in there when it's like that. No. Move have away. You ever, have, you, have you ever felt that that's like a, a weird <laughs> moment? <laughs> I have. I have, but not so much like now in my, I don't know if it's. Because of this relationship, or just that I'm getting older, so I don't really care about so that like, sort of get stuff. Get out! Why are you doing yeah, me? I don't care. <laughs> Let's all just get comfortable, you know. It's just super weird because obviously you couldn't get a flaccid dick inside you, but it's the only way it can end up inside you is if it was hard and now it's flaccid. Yeah. So it just doesn't. It's not meant to be there. Yeah. What made you think of that? It was just a thought post sex. It was just yeah post sex. Alien thought. doco thought. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> I was just like, this happens to me every day, but I never analyze it. I need to analyze this shit. <laughs> Speaking of um, sexual things, how was your dance class? You started oh, telling me the other sexual. day that it was sexual, and I was like, I need to hear about this. But on the podcast, <laughs> so do you know you know that song Freak? Yeah. So that was what we were dancing to. And, like, okay. there's a move. There's a move. And it's all, like, sexy. It's all, like, body roll, like, hip-hoppy kind of dancing. And and then you've got to go down and, like, get on your – for those listening that can't see me, I'm squatting now. Get on I, your – I can't like, see you. The recording's not in high quality on my computer. Oh, that sucks. sucks this in. is devastating. I'll, I'll have to give you a demonstration when I see you. But <laughs> Please right do. now I'm so I'm just doing this for myself now, basically, because our <laughs> listeners can't see me. But and then you gotta roll your hips at mm-hmm. when you get down. And the lyrics to the song when you gotta roll your hips are like something like get the dick up inside it and then something, 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 slide it. And it's very and my kids all come down to get me at the end of the dance lesson. And they're all just like <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Who do you think you are, Mum? <laughs> I was like basically pole dancing with my foot. Like <laughs> they would never unsee that. It's very sexual dance class. I want to get you to come oh. and do it with me. I yeah, felt what, very. It felt great. It would. Dancing is like you feel so good afterwards. The endorphins, you know. Only I've always said it since I was young. Fucking and dancing are the only two forms of exercise that my body is not allergic to. Yeah. I'm like that with running. Like I'm like the only time anyone will see me run is if there's like a fire or something I really have to be running from. 
Yeah. Well, that's Running. like when Billy saw me on Dancing with the Stars, she was like, Mum, I've never seen you move that fast. <laughs> I'm a slow mover. Yeah. Look, we all thought that when you were on Dancing with the Stars, babe. Like, I, I was concerned. I was like, how's she going to go? She's never done this much exercise ever. Oh, you but, must have a dance partner when he had to lift me up. You showed them. I did show them. You were amazing. Actually, my followers showed them, not me. They were no, just like, why is you, she still here? No way. You put in so much hard work and you actually killed it. Thanks, babe. And I know how actually, sore those feet were. You were really working hard. Yeah, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done because the yeah. TV world is very, like, very superficial. It's hair, <laughs> makeup, and it is like, you know, it's just very, if you could just look a bit more like her, and I spend my whole life, yeah. you know, very much around people like me. So it was very difficult to spend, you know, three months with people telling me that that's sexy. Try and look This more is how like you're going to be and conform to and all of that yeah. sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a really interesting experience for me. I don't know about you. (laughs) (laughs) It was really cool to watch, though. Like, you, yeah, you got so much better each week. It was was amazing. It's just, you know what's funny? I mean, I wanted to go on it because I loved the idea of getting fit and dancing and just being out of my comfort zone. But it's funny that, like, you can sell a book internationally, sell 200,000 copies. You can have videos that 9 million people watch up online. And this is big achievements, right? But then you go on Dancing with the Stars. That literally might get three hundred thousand views once a <laughs> you week. Absolutely, shit yourself. Like, yeah, no, but everyone thinks that you've like really made it. Like everyone, like you've got aunties, you've got uncles, you've got. Do you know what I mean? You've got people like old neighbors claiming to know you all of a sudden, and it's like, wow, that's not making it. Like, wow, that's really interesting, isn't it? Dancing with I the reckon. stars, hey. Yeah, or just any sort of commercial TV, like traditional media, people really like associate with success. Yeah, whereas right. it doesn't make you more money than other That's elements. Shit money, of, isn't it? It's just yeah. like keeping keeping you alive, basically. Yeah, it's not a sleigh. Traditional yep. media is not a sleigh. That's probably why I haven't been offered anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I was earlier this year. I was like, I want to go on another reality TV show because. Oh know, really? Um, what would you go yeah. on? Well, that's it. So we started looking into like which ones were around and like I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Oh, no, you could not. I could not eat a testicle. I just couldn't. I'm sorry. I could Also, not it's that. physically gruelling. Some of the shit that they have to do, it's like. What? And my fear of heights as well. Like, no, you, no offence, you would not last long. No, and everyone would hate me because I'd be that, I'd be like Carrie Ann but without the royalty. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, no, no, sorry. <laughs> I would be the same. You know that show Alone? Yeah. We've been watching that and James is like, you would not last a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, true. I don't pretend that I would. Neither would I. No. <sighs> Especially when they had I to I love eat a that. lot of people around. Oh, that's just the isolation, but what they have to, and I'm terrible, like, if I don't eat, you know, before 10, like, so I wouldn't be able to do, like, the 12 days or whatever they do. No, I fast every day, but, you know, slay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> TV recommendations, though, like, I've got one for you. Oh, yeah. Okay, the Inspired Unemployed, uh, have I you followed them? them? Oh, oh I my love God, them. me They're too. They're so fucking funny. 
They're so funny. I feel like I'm one of them. And um, they have a TV show that is on Paramount, but I think they sort of, I think they might be trip feeding an episode in 10 play. I'm not sure. Anyway, it is so fucking funny that I woke up all my kids because I was laughing so loudly. Like they do these practical jokes and they've got an earpiece in. They just put their friends through hell and it's so amazing. Amazing to watch. I have to, I, honestly, I have to recommend it because it's brilliant. Oh, this is good. So I, we're watching a really dark but brilliant, it's almost like a serial killer, but it's set in Poland and it's called DNA on SBS and it's really, really good, but I need something funny. I need something to, funny. You know, to yeah. follow on with. Before that, I did Painkiller, so I need something a bit light and funny. Well, oh, I loved Painkillers. I loved Painkillers. That was a great show. I did. You put me onto it. I, did you watch Dope Sick though? Yeah, Dope Sick was a bit better. I prefer Dope Sick. It's the same, it was the same sort of story, but yeah, it was it's great. It's about the same family. It did make me go, you know, I mean, following on from our last episode about denim and drugs and stuff, I did feel a little bit pissed off. We've got all these drug oh. dealers, a lot of them who were only dealing drugs to feed their own supply yep. in jail, yet the biggest fucking drug dealer mm-hmm. in the world is on mm-hmm. a yacht living mm-hmm. his best life. Yeah, and you know, Gabor Mate says the thing about addiction is that it's I don't can't I can't remember it quote for quote, but he says something like it's not it's neither a unavoidable disease nor is it a choice. The problem with addiction is that you know he says something like you know it's something people do to try and, and ease the trauma or whatever, and the problem is that it almost works. And I just thought that is such a brilliant quote because of course it almost works. Otherwise, every psychiatrist in the fucking world wouldn't be prescribing drugs to people. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And pain when it comes to pain, you know, especially we've both got mums that are suffering from sciatica, and um, it's really opened up my eyes to that whole side of things. My my mum's on some really strong painkillers at the moment and, you know, trying to get off them and all that sort of stuff. And the amount of pain that she was in with her last episode of Sciatica was like she she had no choice but to take these horrible medications. And, yeah, you can just see how it all happens and it's it's really scary. And that's what I like about these shows because they show that addiction isn't just for those people. No. And and those people that you see asking you for money on the street or that you see like completely whacked out of it, they were at one point just everyone else. Of course. And no mm. one starts off, you know, wakes up and goes, I'm going to become a drug addict. This is is my path. It doesn't happen like that. My husband is the anomaly that thinks that <laughs> <laughs> he thinks that's I'm constantly trying to say to him, come on, let's do therapy. Let's find out what it was that made you susceptible to drugs. And he's just like, there is nothing going on inside me. I just like to He doesn't want to have that brain massage again, remember? But you know what it is, though? It's about his dad and his a farm boy upbringing. Oh, and there we go. Yeah, Denim has often told me that, like, you know, he'd fall in love with the family pet and then be told that they have to go and shoot it. And, yeah, he was really taught to not – everybody says to me, you're so lucky to have a husband like him because he's so emotionally mature – but he's actually not when it comes to himself. He is when it comes to, oh, honey, look at what happened to Claudia or look what happened to Billy Violet. He'll fully, like, empathise. But then when I'm saying to him, like, be vulnerable, tell me, you know, where you feel, like, weak or scared. He doesn't want to go there in his own. Will not. Mm. No, nah, because he's a tough guy. He won't be. He's not scared of anything. And it's like, yeah, you can't get into it. So I'm going to try and get Interesting, Denim. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we I think we reached our time limit now, but I could talk all night. Good chatting, babes. 
Good chatting, babe. And um, we have some amazing interviews coming up, so make sure you, you stay listening. Oh, my God, we've got an amazing interview lined up with some, you know, now that we're in the charts, guys, people are actually replying to my emails. <laughs> like, that's pretty cool because before I was just like, hey, I'm going to start we're this podcast. We're doing this podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now I can be like, slay, number five on the charts, number one in comedy. You want, you know, I'll consider you for an interview maybe. <laughs> we've got some interviews coming up that, I will not be fitting into the comedy category as well. So it's it's going to be great because yeah. there's lots of diversity and, yeah, we've got lots of different guests. So it's, it's going to be really good. Can't wait. Thanks for listening. We love you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of To Be Frank. If you enjoyed this episode and want more, be sure to click follow. And leaving a review helps others find the podcast. Join us next time as we explore more interesting topics and people from all over the world. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.